Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. Let's start out the show by thanking our lovely Patreon contributors for this week. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had LaSouk, Cassandra, Julie, Mary B, Jesse, Jenny, Stacy, Chelsea, Hannah, Ray, Adam, Juliana, The Dandelions Bible, AC and Maria. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. And there's, as I think we've mentioned before, there's over 100 episodes now of bonus content. So if you become a patron, you have instant access to all of that. And we're going to be loading a new bonus episode this week. That's right. I decided to talk about a murder from the 1940s that is not the Black Dahlia murder, but there are connections to the Black Dahlia murder. A lot of people have asked us if we're ever going to cover that case. We've sort of shied away from doing it because it's been done so many times, Uh, but there are plenty of aspects to that case. I mean, you could go down so many different rabbit holes with it where I do feel like it's going to be something that does come up, so why not... Start with this one. Okay. Now, this is was called the Gardenia Murder. It was the morning of July 27, 1943, at the Fox Hills Golf Course in Los Angeles, and 15-year-old Gordon Williamson, who was the son of the golf course's caretaker, heard the sounds of Pete, the dog belonging to one of the workers. The boy went to investigate, and when he followed the sound to the parking lot, he saw the dog standing over the body of a partially nude woman. Her face was so badly beaten that she had been left unrecognizable. There were also finger marks that had been left on her throat, and her jaw had been broken. Her chest was also mutilated. The woman's clothing had been shredded, and her jewelry had been torn from her body. Underneath her body was a flattened gardenia corsage. Police arrived on the scene, and she was identified as 42-year-old Ora Murray, She had arrived in Los Angeles, where her sister lived just five days prior from Mississippi. On Aura's body, there were still the bandages from where she had recently broken three ribs. And at the scene, police discovered a watch that had been knocked off of her body and had stopped at 1.50. There was also a bracelet with blue stones nearby the body. And two miles away from the scene was Aura's purse, which had $20 inside. According to her sister, a woman named Mrs. Latona Linen, the night before the murder, she and her sister were out dancing at the Zenda Ballroom in downtown L.A. A man named Preston and a man named Paul asked if they could cut in while they were dancing with some other guys, and they said yes. Now, Preston kind of disappears from the night at this point. He's uh-huh. not really a, ma- a character anymore. But there was a guy named Preston there, allegedly. Okay. But this guy, Paul, is the one who's hanging around these women. And Paul said he had just moved to L.A. from San Francisco. He then offered to take the women on a drive to go see the sights of Hollywood in his 1942 Buick convertible. Latona Linen said yes, but could they stop off at her husband's house on the way to pick him up? But when they got to her husband's house, he was not in the mood to go out, so she stayed back with the husband, and Aura would go continue on with Paul. She also remembers that Paul gifted her sister Aura a bracelet, presumably the one that was found at the scene. 
Latona described Paul as being aged 30, 135 pounds, 5'8", dark hair, and wearing a double-breasted suit, and he was driving a blue 1942 Buick convertible with a silver stripe. An autopsy showed that Ora Murray's cause of death was strangulation, but there were no signs of sexual assault. Police get a break in the case because a week later, a 31-year-old woman named Jeanette Walzer, who had recognized the description of the man that the newspapers had printed about Paul, oh, she recognized. She's like, hey, I know that guy. I mean, it seemed like a pretty good description. Right? If the name was correct, right? Like, So she was like, contacts the police, and she's like, I know this guy. But his name's not Paul. Oh. She said his name was Grant Wyatt Terry and that she had met him at a cocktail lounge on July 17th. Now, that's about 10 days before Aura's body was discovered. Okay. This man, Paul, a.k.a. Grant, told Jeanette that he was a federal attorney for the state of California. Jeanette said that he wooed her, and two days later, he proposed to her, and they began what was described as a whirlwind romance. So (laughs) Grant, a.k.a. Paul, ended up stealing a diamond ring from Jeanette as well as $700 in cash before he disappeared. Another whirlwind. (laughs) So Jeanette was essentially looking in the papers to find out if there were any death notices. Like, where's Paul? Oh, really? Or where's Grant? She couldn't get a hold of this guy that he would just propose to her. So she thought he died. I mean, can you even imagine being that like that like sort of like hopeful? <laughs> what and he, happened? And he still has my he still has seven hundred dollars cash and my diamond ring. He oh said he would God. return it. So she's looking in the papers to find out where he is because they don't have Instagram. She yes. can't just go stalk him. He hasn't posted in seven days. <laughs> she hasn't seen him in a few days, and they were supposed to get married. Okay, on the- and she doesn't notice at this point that her jewelry is missing. No, he. He told her uh, that he needed to borrow the diamond ring because he needed to get it uh, made into a wedding ring. I see. Okay. And then he borrowed the $700 because he needed it to wait until his like check from the government came. You know what, Rachel? Love is blind. <laughs> now, the reason Jeanette said that the reason that he needed the $700 is because he had five rooms of imported Chinese furniture that needed to be shipped over to Los Angeles so that they could put it in their future wedding home. Wow. I mean, that's an elaborate lie. Don't you think? It's very specific. (laughs) It's pretty specific. I have five rooms of furniture I've ordered from China. (laughs) (laughs) And he needed to cover the shipping costs. He already bought the furniture. The shipping costs were going to be $700, which is very a lot of money back then. Who is this man who would buy that much furniture? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yet he's broke waiting for his check to yeah. come in. Okay. Well, you know. Look, obviously that was a lie, Desi. Yeah. But Jeanette was in love. because, And it's also so specific. I think that is the way to lie, to be really bold about it. Right. Like who yeah. would lie about that? Yeah. Why would lying about five furnitures of Chinese furniture? <laughs> five rooms. So she told police she had lent him the money to get this furniture over to LA and that she had also given him the ring so that he could go get a wedding ring made. Now, the man said that he had important federal business to do in San Diego and he needed to borrow her car. (laughs) And that was the last time that she saw him. And was her car a convertible Buick? Yes. (laughs) 
He borrowed her Buick. She was like, when I saw that a man, the description of a man, dark hair, you know. I can't believe that was her car. And a Buick. She finally put two and two together. I had to go to the police. I said, hey, I've been looking for him. We're supposed to get married. Is he dead? (laughs) Jeanette then produced a picture of the man that had called himself Grant Wyatt Terry to the police, and Aura Murray's sister identified him as the man who had taken her sister out. Now, at this time, the sister said, yes, I'm pretty sure that's the guy. It wasn't a 100% positive identification, but she's like, that looks like dude. Let me show you a picture that the Los Angeles Times printed of this guy. I think he kind of looks like Ned Flanders in this picture. Oh, I thought he was going to be way hotter for some reason. He's hotter in his mugshot, Desi. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) There's a bad boy element. (laughs) Yeah, he does look like a Christian dork. Like he's smiling like a nerd. His suit doesn't really look that like fitted that well. No. You know? And that was like a period, I think, when men really had fitted, their suits were like tailored. I feel like men, in terms of suits back in the day, it seemed like they had it together a little more. Yeah, than he men seems a little now. disheveled. Yeah. Like that suit's pu- like puckering and kind of like not laying flat. Right. right. But it, but he does look like a Ned Flanders type. We'll post this picture okay. on our Instagram. Yeah, it wasn't what I thought. Yeah. Like I pictured him more slick, kind so of. So in this picture, he's wearing thin wire-rimmed glasses, and he has a mustache. Like a, a push-broom mustache. Is that what they're called? They're ca- It looks like a push-broom mustache, but other people described it, because this picture is such shitty quality, and like, yeah. this is all... It was, but they, it's a thick upper lip mustache. No, it was actually thin. This really? is just the quality of the picture. Oh. I know. It looks really bushy. But this is what they printed in the LA Times to be like, this is the picture that this woman produced that's presumed... Oh, is that the picture she showed him? Yeah, she's like, oh. I took this picture of him. <laughs> I took this snapshot of him. Okay. So... Aura Murray's sister went down to the station, positively identified him, like 90% positively yeah. identified him as the guy who took her sister out. However, in the photograph, this man, like I said before, he's wearing wire glasses, like wire-rimmed circular glasses, and he has a mustache. But Latona, the, Aura's sister, she said that the man who picked her and her sister up had neither. He did not have a oh. mustache or or she doesn't remember a mustache. He or, was in disguise. <laughs> Reverse disguise. He shaved it off. He shaved it off and took the glasses off. (laughs) Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, Aura Murray was married. She had a husband who was a sergeant, Sergeant William Murray, and he was able to leave his base in Mississippi to claim his wife's body and also to attend the inquest in Los Angeles on August 6th. Aura's sister, Latona, recalled that she had told Aura that night that she didn't really trust Paul. So she's recalling how, like, I had this gut feeling about this guy that she shouldn't just go off with him alone. Yeah. Uh, you I know. mean, I was surprised. 
that she did. She's going to say more. I'll say more uh-huh. later about what specifically she said. I was also surprised that her, she was like, let's go get my husband. Like when you said that they were going to go pick up the husband, I was like, oh, he bails on them. So the FBI got involved with this case. They didn't like that someone was impersonating a federal employee. Oh. Because he had told the women and he had told, uh, or I don't I don't know if he told Aura. I, I think he told Aura that he was like in the army or something. But he told but that he to Jeanette. he definitely told that to Jeanette, his fiance. He's like, I'm a federal employee. And is that enough to be considered impersonating? Like, I would think you'd have to really be trying to do something with that information rather than impressing a woman. Well, I <laughs> do guess, you know what I, mean? I like, don't know. The FBI did not like it. Okay. They were not happy about it. They're like, we, we need to get on this yeah. case immediately. Okay. Well, two weeks later, a barber in Denver, Colorado, contacted police when a man who resembled Grant Terry came into his shop. He told investigators that the man was also driving a convertible coupe and was with a blonde woman. Later, the police were alerted that the man had been bilking women in Colorado the previous December and that he was going by the name Richard C. Thuffle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? I gotta say, Desi, some of the names that this guy picks are pretty ridiculous. Thuffle? Thuffle. <laughs> I had to read it several times. That doesn't sound like, it sounds like someone not saying a name right. <laughs> right? Well, the other thing is this was 1943, so you know he wasn't going by Richard. He was going by Dick. Dick Thuffle? Dick Thuffle. That's like an urban dictionary sex move. <laughs> <laughs> He was also reported to have gone by the name Richard Tardiff, and he had been posing again as an as an F, this time as an FBI agent, not just a, a, a federal attorney. Uh-huh. Now he's like straight up posing as an FBI agent. The FBI were finally able to identify the man through a thumbprint that was left on an application of a driver's license, and that that thumbprint matched one that was found at the scene. The man's real name was Roger Lewis Gardner, and he was a 25-year-old guy originally from Nutley, New Jersey. Oh. That's where Martha Stewart's from. I know Nutley well. You do? Yeah. I mean, that is where Martha's from, too. That is like the claim to fame, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Roger had been scamming women for years all across the country. Wow. When he was a teen, he married 15-year-old Daisy Schreiber, but he but she divorced him after a year because he was obviously a shitty husband. He basically just deserted her. Yeah. Now he was charged with something that was called like, you know, bastardly crimes. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> it, it didn't say explicitly, but I'm pretty sure he had a child with this woman. Oh. Because I looked at this guy's rap sheet on the FBI, like most wanted, whatever, from 1944. And he was definitely charged with something called bastardly crimes and also like failing to pay child support. Right. So maybe that's related to child, like abandoning your child or out of wedlock. Yeah. Like they might have had the kid before they were married. I love that crime. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, I don't like men abandoning their children. I just like no, the title. No, we like the name of it. Don't yeah. get it twisted. Yeah, seriously. I'm very against that. In fact, I probably owed thousands. <laughs> yeah, look at Desi's life. So why would I ever be for well, that? Look how she turned out. It's awful. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a bastard. Are you really a bastard? Uh, no, I don't think I am, okay. sadly. So- <laughs> I'm a bitch. <laughs> now, so Daisy divorces this guy after a year because he's a dick. She never saw him again. 
after that. Yeah. Throughout the 30s, Roger was arrested for a number of crimes, including, like I said before, paying, failing to pay child support and theft. In 1940, he met a woman in Florida, and they moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where he adopted a Southern accent and went by the name Richard Tardiff. He liked Richard. <laughs> He married this woman, but he abandoned her after just a few months of marriage. She committed suicide five days later. Oh, my God. Now, a week after this woman committed suicide, he married again. Damn. To a woman in Williamstown, Kentucky. He didn't even leave the state. Honestly, obviously, he's committing a lot of horrible crimes and being a fucking asshole, how does he move so much? That sounds so annoying to like move that much. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And presumably if you get married to someone, like you have a, like a little house you live in together with, or something like, more permanent. It's not like he's going from motel to motel or something. Right. I just feel like m- most normal people hate moving. Like to constantly be in that state of flux seems so irritating that to me. That he would, that a smarter person or a more normal person would do this scam over decades as opposed to over like three years. Yeah. Right. And it's also more risky. Uh, that's crazy. So he hadn't even gotten divorced from the woman who had committed suicide. So he's right. just getting married. He's like stacking them up. He's not even getting divorced. He's just Well, he wouldn't remarried. have to get divorced from her if she's dead, right? Is that true? I'm oh, yeah, pretty wait. sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We all legal stuff is hard, Rachel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so tired right now. Of course that's true. <laughs> is it, Desi? Are you sure about that? I go- I'm like, oh you're not God. cutting it out. Okay. It's funny. <laughs> okay, but this was a pattern with this guy. Yes. He was getting married and not getting divorced. If she was alive, he still would not have been divorced. <laughs> <laughs> so So he gets married to this other woman a week after this woman commits suicide, right? But upon reading about his previous wife's suicide in the paper, she left him the day after their wedding. Oh. Because she reads this like, she's like, Mrs. Tardiff? You mean Richard Tardiff? Wow. Wife of, like, Mrs. Richard C. Tardiff? The Isn't guy it amazing married? how people find stuff out so fast back then? I know. Because with, like, newspapers. <laughs> like, it's hard enough when you're online and social media, like, you can kind of figure things out. I guess people just read the newspaper more. Yeah, that's wild. That was I their... thought it was a different state because he's in Kentucky now. No, they met in Florida. They oh. moved to Lexington. Got it. So this is Williamstown. I don't know where Williamstown is. James, can you write in and tell us where that is? <laughs> Okay, so now they're in Kentucky. Now they're in Kentucky. He marries two women back-to-back in Kentucky. Oh, my God. And she bounces immediately after she sees that his other wife had just killed herself. I mean, that's pretty savvy. I mean, not so savvy to get married right away. But you're like... I'm going to look stupid, but I don't care. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not something's gonna, up. Yeah, something's up, and I don't care if I look stupid. Investigators discovered that Roger had been married to nine different women in several different states. Damn. I mean, the amount of states that this guy moved to, like we were talking about, is wild. Also, these are all whirlwind romances. Yes, all of these women are agreeing to get married after a week. Ugh. Like I, Women. I, come on, guys, get it together. Does this guy have a diamond level dick or what? I think he does. I don't even know. Why would you? Why? What else is it about this guy? It could just be he's picking women who really want to get married or lonely like women. needy or they're lonely or whatever. I mean, right. it's definitely like a period. I think where marriage was more important. Yeah. Back then, so yeah. maybe that's it. I don't know. Now, 
his method for seducing women was to rent fancy hotel rooms, stage these little meat cutes with the oh. women, and then he would brag about his big, important government jobs. I thought you were going to say big, important dick. <laughs> Well, there we go. Well, there now we have cracked. Yeah, this is cracked. So they think they're meeting this really successful person, and it's like a dream come true, right? Uh, and and, he, and he's like orchestrating these meet cutes, and I'm so going to tell it seem you even more. I'm going to tell you about some of the meet cutes. Oh, in, I want in know. just a little bit because <laughs> okay. they're pretty good. The FBI described him as quote a smooth talker and a sexual pervert. Ooh, who doesn't want that? I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> like, how was he a sexual pervert? Is Are we going to get into that? I feel like that's just a very 1943 way of saying, like... He fucked a lot of women, or he got with a lot of women? Yeah. Like, there's nothing, there, like... There wasn't anything specific. Yeah. They just were like, and he's a pervert. Yeah. So like, any guy who I think went with that many women would be considered a pervert. Yeah. They right. called a lot of people perverts in the 40s. Yeah. If you did anything that was Now it's really hard to be called a pervert. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got to go above and beyond. It wasn't until March of 1944 when Roger Lewis Gardner was arrested in New York. And he was arrested by complete chance after two women who had both claimed to be his fiance found out about one another. So he had two fiancés at once. This guy. At this point. One of the women called Roger at his apartment when... And another woman picked up and she was like, hey, who is this? And the woman on the line said, I'm his fiance. And the woman calling was like, excuse me, I'm his fiance. Well, both women <laughs> got to talking and they realized that Roger's stories were just not adding up. They contacted the FBI because they realized that he was probably a draft dodger. That's why they contacted the FBI. That was their complaint? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's very narky. Yeah. That's yeah. a very... Nar- they could have come up with a more creative idea, but in the long run, this worked out for them. Okay. This is the early 40s? Yeah. So it was during wartime. Okay. So they're like, he never showed me his draft papers. Huh. Interesting. Or, he never showed me... like. Yeah. But he had also lied to them that he was a federal agent. And I mean, it seems like, to me, the least thing I would be mad at. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they contacted the FBI. One of the women whose name was Bettina Arnold, said that Roger had made off with $1,500 from her. Again, she thought she was just loaning this money to him, but she never saw it again. Bettina had met Roger while she was at a nightclub with another man. The man left her side for a few minutes, and then Roger looked at Bettina from across the room and gave her a wink, and that was enough for her. Ooh, That's all he had to do was give her a wink. He proposed to her on their second date. I'm trying to imagine if that would work on me, because <laughs> I think I'd be annoyed if, you, if a guy looked at me and winked. It depends how hot he was yeah. and how horny I was. Yeah. And it, the wink- Because it could definitely bl- not work. It, it could definitely have the major. opposite yeah. effect. Mm-hmm. You have to be really hot to pull that off, though. And it has to be a little self-deprecating of a wink. Like, not like a, like, there has to be something that's funny about it, probably, for me. Yeah. You can't be totally serious about it. Yeah. I don't know. And it's a very delicate situation. You gotta, yeah. You gotta feel it. But But this guy's a... He's smooth. He's probably winked at eight other women that night. (laughs) You're right. And that's the one that worked. Yeah. Roger was first tried in New York for impersonating a federal employee and for defrauding Bettina Arnold of $1,500. A parade of women he had scammed and married illegally testified against him. 
A singer named Frances Yond said that Roger had picked her up at a drugstore while she was eating a sandwich. Francis said he approached her and said, gee, I envy you eating that sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) See, that would make me tense. (laughs) Because I'd be like, get away from my fucking sandwich. (laughs) That would not work on me because I'm like not sharing my food. (laughs) It's your own fucking sandwich. (laughs) And she said, why? And he said, because I just had three teeth pulled and I can't eat. <laughs> This is getting worse by the moment. First of all, he could have landed this better. Here's how I would have done this scene. Okay. Okay. Gee, I envy you eating that sandwich. He said, why? Francis said, because it makes me want to eat your pussy. <laughs> I don't know if that would have gone over in the 40s. <laughs> But instead, he goes with, I've just had three teeth removed and I can't eat. Yeah, I don't think that was a good... That's not very hot. No. I, I, don't, didn't, I didn't think there was going to be another part to that. I thought it was just going to be the sandwich line. Like, I thought that right. was the line. Like, ooh, that looks like a good sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I immediately went. Like, you're damn right it is. But that is a Desi response. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, cu- I hold it like a baby close to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's not a meat cute, is it? This is one of his meat cutes. This worked on her. Oh my god! She was so she she agreed to a date, and they got engaged shortly after. Wow. Roger was also known to have worn a gold cross necklace that was engraved with the words "Never forget me." What? Is that even legal on a cross? <laughs> Some of the other meat cutes I read about, one of them was like he dropped a handkerchief and picked it up and was like, is this your handkerchief? What? And the woman was like, no, it's not, but hi. That seems like out of a bad movie. All of his meat cutes were like that. Another one was like him pretending to have a mutual friend with somebody. Uh-huh. But the sandwich one is definitely the most bizarre. Yeah. It took three minutes for him to be convicted, for the jury to convict him. And this conviction is about the federal, the federal thing. The federal thing and defrauding Bettina $1,500. Okay. But do they know he's like wanted in California at this point? Yes, they do know that. They uh-huh. do know that. It's in the papers. Like, And he's also wanted, but they're trying him first in New York Got in, it. in federal court. Okay. So he's first being tried in federal court. He gets sentenced to three years. Now, he's brought back to Los Angeles for the murder trial of Ora Murray in August of 1944. That's just a few months after this federal trial. Roger entered a plea of not guilty. During the preliminary hearing, Ora's sister testified and identified Roger in court as the man who took her sister out the night of her murder. Now, at this point, Ora was absolutely certain, 100% positive that this was the same man. Yeah. Roger responded by jumping to his feet and exclaiming, Your Honor, that woman has never seen me before in my life. <laughs> Sorry, what? Very dramatic. A showgirl named Joy Lavelle testified that in July of 1943, while Roger was still in a relationship with Jeanette, he attempted to seduce her with the Buick convertible that he had borrowed from the woman he was supposed to be marrying. What a piece of shit. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. <laughs> Like how did how does that mind work? There's just literally nothing stopping you from anything. And you have to understand this is also like he was only engaged to this woman for ten days. He is just I can't. 
That's like something else. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's diamond level dick. Yeah. It has to be. It's BDE. He's got big diamond dick energy. <laughs> BDDDE. Jeanette Walzer also testified about how she had met Roger when she was po- when he was posing as Grant Terry. She was at a cocktail lounge when he approached her table because he was, quote, looking for his hat. Two days later, they were engaged. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like witchcraft. They never even found the hat. He was like, oh, I think I lost my hat over here. I don't even know if he had a hat. It was probably a lie. Yeah. He just wanted to go over it's like the guy DMing you, like, you're funny. It's like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> or I love when a guy DMs you on Instagram your own picture. Oh, yeah. It's like a conversation starter. It's right. like, I already know. I posted this picture. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> Jeanette's roommates testified to having been out to dinner with Roger the evening of the murder on July 26th. They had last seen him at 8.30 p.m. They said that he was wearing a sports coat and slacks, which contradicted Aura's sister's claims that he was wearing a suit, that double-breasted suit. Oh, right. Latona Lenin wore a white gardenia pinned to her lapel at the trial in honor of her sister. She testified about the reservations that she had had about this man taking her sister out the night that they met at Zenda's ballroom. This is a quote from Latona. Just before Aura drove off with Gardner in his car, I told her that I should take down either his license number or make him show me his credentials. Latona said that the man, then known as Paul, responded with, quote, What's the matter? Why don't you trust me? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Me. So when Roger Gardner took the stand to testify, he denied having ever met Aura Murray or her sister. In fact, he said that he wasn't even at the dance club that night. 
He said that he had dinner with his fiance Jeanette and her two friends until 8.30 p.m., at which point he drove the Buick to the Ambassador Hotel, which is where he was staying. This is a quote from Roger. I immediately went to my room and packed my bags as I was leaving for Chicago the next day. About 10.30 p.m., I walked to a drive-in cafe on Wilshire Boulevard and had a drink. I telephoned Miss Walzer from there and returned to the hotel, took a bath, and went to bed. Roger then said that the next morning he had to take a cab to Jeanette's house because the Buick had a flat, so he left it in the Ambassador Hotel parking lot overnight and the next day. Now... He did admit on the stand that he, yes, I did scam women all across the country, but I did not murder this woman. I mean, it isn't in his MO. Like, no, it is very odd that to think that like, that this guy who has a history of doing basically the same scam over and over again with women would suddenly deviate so extremely. Yeah. And he hasn't even been accused of anything physically violent as far as I can tell from what you've told me so far. The only... I looked, and the only remotely physically violent thing I could find from his past was a woman from New Mexico testified to saying that he threatened her, like, if you don't, like, I'll fucking kill you with a butcher knife. Right. But he doesn't have any, his, like, arrests for physical violence with women. He, none of the other women testified to that. And this doesn't even seem like... Um accidentally killing someone type thing. It seems Do you know like what I mean? Like a very deliberate right. thing. So like I could picture maybe him killing someone, even though it's not his MO, if it turned into a struggle, like something happened. Or an accident. But he, is not, he, he hasn't even been accused by any of these women of like being sexually aggressive where they would have to fight him off. Right. Or anything like that. Like where something like that could turn into something worse. It's very weird. Now, He also admitted to assuming several different aliases over the years, and these are some of his aliases. Grant Terry, Donald Douglas, C. Paul Flatto, and B.B. Bacalar, (laughs) which I thought sounded like Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos. Yeah. Why would you pick such weird names? I would just pick the most basic names so you don't forget. And he had like two different Richards at one point. It seems confusing. Yeah. Like, I would be confused. But he had, like... He's into it. He really likes this, pretending to be someone else. He also admitted to scamming Jeanette Walzer and to to have booked a train to Chicago the night before they were supposed to be married. But but according to the defense, his defense, they said that this murder of Ora Murray was all a case of mistaken identity. Hmm. That's what the defense was going with, because they were saying, basically, like, her sister didn't give like a fully positive identification in the first place. She said, yeah, it kind of resembles him. She's changed her statement now at the trial. Now she says it's positively him, the guy in the picture. And the truth of the matter is it could have been him. That doesn't necessarily mean he was the final person with her that night. The evidence was also so scant, yeah. especially what they had to go on back in 1943. They couldn't do like, uh, DNA stuff back right. then and they couldn't do cell phone towers pinging. I mean, there was just like, they had like one thumbprint that was found, I guess in the car. Yeah. But so they're like only going off of eyewitness testimony. Well, because of this, the jury was hopelessly deadlocked for the charge of murdering Ora Murray and the judge wound up dismissing the case against Roger. 
He was, however, he was found guilty of stealing the $700 from Jeanette Walser, and he was sentenced for that one to 10 years. He was then sent to Leavenworth to serve his three-year sentence for impersonating a federal agent. And later, he was sent to San Quentin to serve his sentence for the theft. Now, Ora Murray's murder remains unsolved to this day. However, Steve Hodell, former homicide detective with the LAPD, author and private detective, believes that his father, George Hodell, is responsible for the murder. Oh. Yes. You know about Steve Hodell, right? Yes. And the Hodells in general. Mm -hmm. Steve worked for the LAPD for like, what, 30, 40 years or something like that as a homicide detective. His father, George, was a doctor from Los Angeles who came under suspicion as being the murderer of Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia. He was also suspected of having murdered his assistant when she mysteriously died from an overdose. Their story is wild. This family story is wild. Yeah, I I kind of want to do an episode just about George Hodel. Right. I mean, I know they did that huge, long, investigative Root of All Evil podcast. Yeah. But maybe we could do something about George Hodel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the if the people want that. But I I I mean, it's really hard not to go down a rabbit hole with this family. Yeah, it's really interesting. And this is one of the cases where all the theories are equally interesting because all of them are like, it could be true. (laughs) They're not like so far fetched. Right. And I was like, it's, I was like trying to look at Reddit boards for about Aura Murray, but it is impossible to search Reddit for Aura Murray because literally the only thing that comes up is Maura Murray. Oh, and is her name spelled A-U-R-A? No, it's spelled O-R-A. But oh, but okay. the computer yeah, yeah. still thinks it's those stupid computers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, okay. and it's also just not that famous of a case. It's just not a right. very well known case. And it's probably the Murray that's triggering, yeah, the react the results. Yeah. Now, this Steve is convinced that it was his dad who did this, but Steve is also convinced that his dad's responsible. Like I said before, for the black Dahlia murder, he thinks his dad did Chicago's lipstick killer murder. He thinks his dad is the jigsaw killer. And he thinks that his dad is the Zodiac killer. Oh wait, he thinks his dad's the Zodiac. Yes. Does he? I don't know that I heard that one. I I get them all jumbled. He thinks his dad's the Zodiac. killer. So he's like a little unreliable because he thinks his dad murdered everybody. He like, in a his, way. His, he thinks his dad murdered Epstein. No. No, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> he, he, I'm saying... Like, for, <laughs> first of all, his dad's been dead for like 10 years. But, so he's divorced. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. He, it's like he kind of feels like his dad did all of this. Yes. So he's kind of hard to believe as well at some point. So I was looking at the at the Steve Hodel Reddit boards okay. or just the Steve Hodel people talking about him on Reddit on yeah. the true crime and everyone's like you guys like Steve Hodel's insane family or Steve Hodel's insane new theory like they're just like this guy thinks he's the zodiac killer like his dad I mean I do think there is something fascinating about being like my dad did all of these murders. Yeah like it's just like he's even, getting off on it almost like <laughs> Right? Like, like, but he like hates his dad so much that he's like, it definitely seems like there's some daddy issues going on there. Yeah. For sure. Like, and I know the dad was like definitely accused of doing some really fucked up shit with the daughter. Oh, yeah. Like, he's definitely a piece of shit. Yeah. But there's like a, that's a big leap to Zodiac Killer. Do you know what I mean? That's like, where I feel like I could, 
Like I can believe his his um the more local things I can buy more. They make sense, but the Zodiac killer for me seems a little like off the wall. Yeah, because it's like also an unsolved thing. Where He's it's just like, pinning all these unsolved cases. And is it like my dad was in San Francisco these dates? Like <laughs> Well, he, I mean, look, this guy was a homicide detective. He obviously knows how to do police work. And so he has right. compiled Lots of different things. In fact, he wrote a book in 2003 called The Black Dahlia Avenger, in which he theorizes how his father could have murdered the Black Dahlia as well as Ora Murray. There is like a chapter in that book. I think the interesting thing is obviously he has a lot of experience as a homicide detective, but in some ways having all that experience can make you able to shift and f- make the evidence fit because cops do that. Of course, like they'll make they'll cherry pick what leads up to a conviction and ignore things that might be exculpatory or whatever. Right. Like, right. So he could he could also be doing that, like figuring out what makes it fit and ignoring things that maybe might con- conflict with them being guilty of it. I mean, it just is absurd that you think your dad did literally all of these, especially when their mos are so different. Yes, but he also does have a way to explain that. He theorizes like my dad was so smart that he changed the mos up, right? To so not like, be not only is his dad evil, but he's an evil genius. He's an evil genius. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting for sure. So he states in this book, The Black Dahlia Avenger, that Roger Gardner looked very similar to his father George Hodel in 1943, and that the two could have easily been mistaken for one another. Now I'm going to show you a picture of them, and you tell me what you think. Did I even save a picture of him, of George Hodel? Okay, this is a picture, Roger's mugshot. Oh, he is hotter. See, he's hot in this mugshot. I I would believe he had a diamond dick. Yeah, now I can see it. Now I'm going to show you a picture of George Hodel, not very hot, but I could see how maybe, I guess, you could mistake, especially with the fuzzy newspaper photo that was used. (laughs) Look, they just both have dark hair and dark eyes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, the mustache is very similar. They, I would say they are close enough to be confused for each other. Yes. If you saw someone once and they both had a right. mustache like right. that. And yeah. it was nighttime. Here's the picture that Steve uses as an example because this picture is from 1943. Okay. I mean, it does look similar to the picture that Jeanette gave the police. It's not outside the realm of possibility. And the mustache is definitely, though, I think, something that you latch on to, though. Yes. You know what I mean? I agree. So his theory is that it, it was his dad who did it. And that he also speculates that a bracelet that was found on the scene, the one, the the one with blue stones... He said that it was very similar to that of the Navajo and Hopi Indian bracelets that his father had collected over the years. Now, does he think that the dad picked them up at the dance club? Yes. So Paul he, was not involved. I mean, not Paul. Uh, I can't even Roger. Remember. Roger was not involved at all. Well, he believes the way Roger was, in, was involved, but only because they knew each other and that he had just borrowed the Buick from Roger that night. Oh, so then he is directly connected somehow. Yes. He suggests that perhaps his father knew Roger Gardner and that he had borrowed the Buick the night of the murder, picked up the girls at the nightclub, and then murdered Ora Murray. He also says that one of George's favorite spots to hang out with was the Ambassador Hotel, which is where Roger was Oh, so maybe they were hanging out there. 
Yes. What do you think about the George Hodel theory? I think it's really interesting uh, because I don't necessarily think that Roger did it. It's very odd. This is an odd story. Um, so I don't know that George Hodel did it, but I definitely don't buy that Roger did it. Yeah. For for me, like right, and that's based on whatever I'm hearing. Right, it just doesn't seem to line up. And if it's like someone who never had murdered someone, I feel like it would have been more obviously a struggle that turned into an accidental murder right. type deal because that definitely happens. I don't know. Like, I mean, it, they definitely look close enough to me if he had the mustache at that time, right? Where I can see people confusing them. So. Of all the things that Steve Hodell thinks his dad did, <laughs> this one definitely seems plausible to me. Yeah. No, another thing I'm curious about, and I don't know this, is George Hodell n- known to have done anything like for real? Like, was he ever convicted or? He was tried for the rape of his daughter. So, outside of that, though, that was like the only thing that he was sort of. He's just been speculated yeah. and investigated. Like he was a suspect in the So Black no Dahlia. one has ever found any evidence that could have convicted him. Just or, his son. Yeah. Just, just his Steve. son. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just Steve, curious. Has a, Steve has piles of it. Like I went to Steve's website and there was like a lot of handwriting samples that he had that were similar. And, and why does no one believe Steve? <laughs> well, people do believe him. I mean, people do believe him, but no one has ever real, no, nothing has been officially done as far as, I guess, because they can't prosecute him. He's dead. Yeah. But they can't close the cases. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious how that works. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if a murderer dies, does that mean we can never solve that case if it was unsolved? No, it yeah. still can be solved. So we can say we can legally say he did it. I I think people are still interested in the Black Dahlia case. Like I don't know, it's obviously not top priority for law enforcement to solve it right now, but but they could solve it even if the George Hodel is dead. Yes. Okay. It could would still would still be considered solved if they did solve it. Okay. So I'm just curious why people aren't taking his evidence. Maybe cuz there's I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, we should do a show on him. We should do a show on George slash Steve Hodel. Yeah. Like, it's probably like a two-parter. Absolutely would be a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's interesting to me. And I, I think that James Elroy, they were still trying to investigate his mother's murder, too. Right, right. Uh, recently, like in the 2000s. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the uh, Gardenia murder case. Oh, I had never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, this guy. I mean, this guy literally, Roger, after he served his time, he just disappeared off the face of the planet. Probably changed his name again. I wouldn't doubt that he's changed his name like 30 times probably <laughs> in like right. a week afterwards. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that guy... I mean, I would be curious to find out. I would love to know. Well, he's probably not alive anymore today, but maybe. I don't know. He'd be pretty old because he was only in his 20s though, right? Yeah, he was only in his 20s. So he, he, could he that's like, it's he, so 40s of him to look like it is, he's in his 40s. I know. Why does he everyone look, look that so That was 25. Old. I mean, he looked like a middle aged man. I know. It's insane. But he did look hot in that mugshot. The mugshot was hot. I'll I post will give that him picture. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay, guys, that's it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. 
Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.